Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the First Baptist Church here in the hills of Western Massachusetts. Welcome one and all. We're celebrating today, Christmas Eve, tomorrow the birth of our Savior. And um, it's not going to be a warm and fuzzy message, Christmas message, this morning. We look in uh, this past month on the purpose of Jesus' coming the first time, his first advent, and the purpose for his second advent, his future coming. And I'd like to ask Larry to read the first seven verses of Isaiah chapter 9. Good morning and Merry Christmas to all this morning. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee and the Gentiles for the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice in the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in a day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, in peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The Lord's anger against Israel. The Lord has sent a message against Jacob. It will fall on Israel. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Thank you very much. I'll open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you again for our lives and our new life and new birth in Christ. You came to this world to allow us to be born again, to be saved from our sins. And we pray that this message will speak to each one of us, not just as a group, wherever we are, those listening by radio. This message will speak to each of us as individuals. So help us be tuned in and not be distracted. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I say, this past month we've been learning about uh, Advent and the meaning of Advent. It means coming, arrival. And that's what Christmas is all about. The first Advent, the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. His first Advent. And uh, without that first Advent, we'd have no Christmas, right? It'd be just like some kind of fairy tale. Like the tooth fairy. I don't know what they do with all the teeth, but 
But Jesus, he did come in the flesh. And we can know just how much God really loves us because he sent his only begotten son into this sin-sick world to save us so we could have a home in heaven where there is no sin. Christmas is an invitation for us to know Jesus as his friend and also as our saviour and be part of God's family. When Jesus came that first Christmas, his first advent, what was the purpose? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to seek and save the lost. There's a story you may be familiar with in Luke chapter 19 that illustrates Jesus' love for lost sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When Jesus came that first Christmas and he was born, he ministered for about three and a half years, going around from village to village, teaching, preaching the kingdom of God. And he, one illustration, he, come, he came to a place called Jericho, which is about 10 miles outside of Jerusalem. He was on his way to be crucified. And it's a familiar story. He met a man. His reputation had preceded him. And they were anticipated his coming to Jericho in the village. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people there. We don't know how many exactly. And they were pressing in on him. Maybe they just wanted to... He's like a, a rock star or a movie star of today. That's how popular he was. But a lot of them didn't want to respond to his message of salvation. They wanted to see the miracles that he performed, etc. So anyway, people were pressing in on, on him that day. Probably hundreds and hundreds of people. And there was a man there called Zacchaeus. And he wanted to see Jesus too. But because of all the people there, and the fact that he was short, he was a little fella, he couldn't see him, couldn't see Jesus. So uh, he decided he's going to climb a tree. You ever seen that at a, at a rock concert or, you know, Woodstock? Those of you that are old enough, you can see the video. They were climbing up on the, uh, just to see and listen. Well, he did the same thing. He climbed up a sycamore tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. He was so determined to see him that he ran ahead and he climbed that tree and he waited for Jesus to pass by. So Jesus did. He came to that place where that sycamore tree was, saw Zacchaeus in that tree, in the sycamore tree, and hundreds and hundreds of people Jesus spotted that guy. And he says, Zacchaeus, like the price is right, come on down. <laughs> Hurry, come on down. I'm going to stay at your house tonight. Oh, really? He invited himself. Would he refuse? Hey, this is Jesus. Would you? Sorry, there's no room at the inn. Come on. He came. Even with hundreds and hundreds of people there, Jesus focused on that one man. Incredible. And not only that one man, he knew his name. 
And he knows each one of us by name. Amen? If you were the only person on earth, he would have died for you on that cross. And he calls us by name. He might be calling your name this morning to be saved. He'd never met him, but he knew his name. So he climbed down the tree, and he met Jesus for the first time. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've met Jesus for the first time? If not, I hope it is today. What better day, what better season than to be saved? But it'd be the greatest day of your life. It was for me. September 12th, 1982. Yes, I am that old. <laughs> I was only a baby then. Zacchaeus was a very happy man. That's what happens when you meet the Lord for the first time. But not all, all the people in that crowd were happy. And they complained. I think this was like the religious people. And they said, he's gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. Because they wouldn't associate with Zacchaeus because he was a tax collector. He was a Jew, but he was working for the Roman government, taking other Jews' money to give it to Caesar. Absolutely despised, the worst kind of vermin in their eyes. A sinner. You know, many people love to hear Jesus preach and teach. They love to see his miracles. But they didn't always love the company that he kept, who they considered to be sinners. However, Jesus loves sinners. He loves sinners. And he didn't disassociate himself from sinners because they knew he knew they needed to be saved that was jesus first purpose his first advent to seek and to save that which is lost and no doubt while at zacchaeus's house jesus must have told him about god's love how much god loves him and god's grace unmerited favor he must have told him about the kingdom of God and his mercy to sinners and how to be saved and Zacchaeus believed Jesus he believed him and Jesus said he confirmed this he says well this is what Zacchaeus said first Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll restore it fourfold. See, he did truly repent. He demonstrated his repentance by showing generosity and restitution. And Jesus confirmed that he was saved. And this is what he said. Today, salvation has come to this house. Since he also is a son of Abraham, like I said, he was a Jew. 
Zacchaeus was a Jew and a physical descendant of Abraham. A physical descendant of Abraham. But now because of his faith in Jesus, he'd become a spiritual son of Abraham. That's the purpose. That's the first advent. The reason, the purpose for Jesus' first advent. What is it? What was his first what was his purpose? To seek and to save that which is lost. Now let's see the purpose of his second advent, his future advent. You know, Jesus is coming again. He said that he would. One day, Jesus was with his disciples, and they were pointing out how beautiful the temple was in Jerusalem, it's Herod's temple. There'd been a couple of more that were destroyed. How beautiful the temple was, and it must have been. Jesus gave a strange reply. He says, truly I say to you, there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And this was a prophecy that happened in AD 70 when the Romans came and completely destroyed Jerusalem slaughtered thousands upon thousands of Jews and destroyed the temple. And then they came to the Mount of Olives and Jesus' disciples asked him privately, tell us when these things will be. When will these prophecies be fulfilled? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? You can read that in Matthew 24. Jesus then gave his disciples a prophetic overview of events that would happen in the future, in the near future and also the distant future, recorded by one of his disciples who was there. He wrote it down. We can read it for ourselves. Matthew. And he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. That's where he is now. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. You read that in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is saying the blessings to his sheep and his sheep are those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who are saved, those who are born again, that have received him as their saviour. We are his sheep. They're going to inherit his father's kingdom. It's a reward given by God, not because of our good deeds, our good works. We didn't earn our salvation. It's a gift from God. So nobody can boast. Nobody can take credit. Simply because of our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. It's that simple. Even children can get saved. And I hope they do. If you're not already. So that's the sheep, 
those that are saved. And then there's the goats. I'm glad I'm not a goat. Say, they say Brady's the goat, right? I don't understand that, but anyway, I don't need to. The Bible says the goats are the unbelievers. The unbelievers. They're going to be separated from the sheep. Verse 41, same chapter, 25, Matthew, he said, Jesus, then he will say to those on his left, who are those? The goats, the unsaved. What will he say? Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous, or the sheep, to eternal life. So, I don't know about you, I'm glad I'm a sheep and not a goat. So remember, what was Christ's purpose the first time for coming? To save lost sinners. But the purpose for his second coming, his future second coming, will be to judge lost sinners. Hold that thought. When Jesus returns a second time at his second advent, millions of people are going to be very surprised. They're going to be shocked and they're going to be stunned. And they will cry and scream and curse at being judged for their sins against God. Just as the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. However, many people down the ages and today, they can't believe they just can't wrap their heads around it. How any sin deserves everlasting punishment. Well, they say, well, if God is a God of love, which he is, and he loves people, and God is so loving, how can he punish people like this to go to everlasting fire eternally? Yes, he is a loving God. He's the epitome of love. But he's also a God of justice. Let me give you an illustration. Let me put it this way. And some of you are middle school students, or high school students. Suppose a middle school student and he punches another student in class. What do you think would happen? He'd get a detention, wouldn't he? Now, during the detention, the same boy punches a teacher. What would happen? He'd get suspended from school. I hope. Now, years later, as he grew up, got older, he punches a policeman. 
What happens? Well, he'll find himself in jail. Some years later, even still, the same man is waiting to see King Charles. God save the king. As he passes by, and this same guy, he lunges forward and punches Charles in the face. What would happen? The Secret Service agents shoot him, shoot him dead. Did he deserve it? No, really? Did he deserve it? Right. In every, now listen, in every case, the crime is precisely the same. What did he do? He was punching everybody. But the severity of the crime is measured by the one against whom it is committed. He started out punching a fellow student, then ends up punching King Charles, right? God is completely and utterly holy and righteous. He is the supreme potentate of the universe. He is perfectly just in his treatment towards his creatures. And he shows no partiality whatsoever against those who have sinned. God is fair, 100%. In meeting out rewards for the sheep, but is also equally just in meeting out punishments for the goats. This is what Colossians 3.35 says. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. And there is no favoritism. So justice and righteousness always work hand in hand. Justice and righteousness work hand in hand. Amen? And justice is important to God. And it's also important to us because we're made in the image of God. Let me give you another illustration. And I guess you could put Saddam Hussein or Putin or Stalin or... Let's, let's use Adolf Hitler as an example this morning. Imagine that Adolf Hitler is found hiding out somewhere in Germany. Obviously, it's going to be in his 90s. Yeah? And he's brought before a judge and he's tried for his crimes. It takes nine hours to read his crimes. But at the end, this judge says, I can see, clearly see the crimes that you've committed. Uh, that's that you're responsible for. You're responsible for the death of millions and millions of people. But I think you've learned your lesson by now. So I'm going to let you go. Then he bangs down the gavel and says, not guilty. What do you think about that? What do you think about that scenario? 
How does that go down in your thinking? The emotion of outrage at such injustice. He deserved to be punished, didn't he? So do we. We know that the verdict is not right. And it, it's unjust to us, or it should be. Because evil requires an equivalent punishment. As Gilbert and Sullivan rightly say, let the punishment fit the crime. Anyone familiar with Gilbert and Sullivan? And because we're made in the image of God, we've inherited the same sense of justice from our creator because he is perfectly just and perfectly justified in what he does. So what comes from rebelling against God then? Eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. So, let me close. It's vitally, it's the most important thing for every person to carefully consider their eternal destiny. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? Every one of us has a body. Every one of us has a soul, an immortal soul. Our bodies will eventually die, but the soul, the real you, will exist forever and ever and ever. The Bible, God's word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says we will either spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And when Jesus comes a second time, which he will, the lost will be judged. They're already condemned and found guilty. Therefore, today, this morning, having examined Christ's purpose for his first advent, let's be prepared for his second coming. At any time. The question is, are you prepared to meet God? One day you will. There's no one else going to be standing there except you. When you die. Or when he returns a second time. To separate the sheep from the goats. You can be ready. My question is, are you ready? You can turn to Jesus, believe by faith, because we, we don't see him, do we? But we believe by faith in what he did on that cross. So many people believe in Santa Claus and they haven't seen him. There's more people believe in Santa, they do Jesus. But Santa ain't going to save you. Excuse my English. My grammar. I don't speak like King Charles. Thank heavens. 
I could believe by faith in what Jesus did on the cross. He loves you. He demonstrated it. What more could he do? What more could he do except die? What more could his father do but send him to save us from eternal punishment in hell? He paid the price. He took the fall. He sacrificed himself so we wouldn't have to pay the price for the sins that we've committed. We do commit. We will commit in word or thoughts or deed. Sinners need a saviour. That's the message at Christmas. That's the purpose Jesus came. He loved you enough to die on a cross. Suffer the punishment you deserve. Why? Because we're sinners. The wages of sin is death. Eternal separation. For all eternity. There has to be a payment for sins. The wages of sin is death. But the verse doesn't end there. Thank God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's greatest gift at Christmas was Jesus, his son. That's why he came. God is offering us eternal life, but we can only receive it by receiving his son, Jesus. That's the message for each one of us. Amen? Well, thank you. God bless you, and uh, have a Merry Christmas. And if I don't see you, have a Happy New Year, the best ever. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.